Thank you and welcome to Scripture on Creation. I'm Scott Kump. And I'm Dr. Ben Scripture. Dr. Scripture, in our last program, as we have been studying the theme of creation in the book of Job, we were talking about the interesting statements Job makes in Job chapter 12 Mm -hmm. about learning from the animals God created. That's right, Scott. In Job chapter 12, verses 7 and 8, he said, But now ask the beasts, and let them teach you, and the birds of the heavens, and let them tell you. Or speak to the earth, and let it teach you, and let the fish of the sea declare to you. So we see he refers to beasts, and birds, and fish. And then what we then looked at were several other passages of Scripture, which also describe the characteristics of various animals as object lessons for us to learn and gain wisdom from. Yes, some of those animals mentioned in the Proverbs, for example, were the ant, the lizard, and even the snake. (laughs) Yeah, the snake. How can we learn something from a snake? (laughs) Yeah, but I want to read the passage in Proverbs which mentions the snake because what the writer of Proverbs is doing in referring us to consider the animals is the same thing that Job is doing in those verses we just read. And that is, by observing the animals, we actually learn something about God. Learning something about God. And that certainly amounts to wisdom, doesn't it? Exactly. It certainly does. <laughs> so I'm going to read Proverbs 30, 18 and 19, this text that has the reference about the snake. It says, there are three things which are too wonderful for me. Four, which I do not understand, the way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a serpent on a rock, the way of a ship in the middle of the sea, and the way of a man with a maid. Now, we touched a little bit about that idea of the way of a man with a maid, and we're not even going to get into that. The two animals that are mentioned, though, are the eagle and the serpent. And in mentioning these things that amaze the preacher— It causes us to consider how amazing the creator is in what he made because he gave that eagle the ability to soar so high and yet see that tiny little animal down on the ground. (laughs) Or he gave that serpent the ability without legs to move around on a rock. And of course, that serpent doesn't just sort of wiggle around and randomly move. It is quite skilled in its ability to in that serpentine motion move very quickly along a rock. So there are many examples of animals and birds and fish that defy evolution to explain their supposed gradual development over time. Whereas if we recognize that a wise, intelligent creator can put those muscle movements, put that ability of the eye to focus so carefully together, we see how great that creator actually must be in what we might say his design or architectural skills. (laughs) Other examples that I like to think about that evolution simply cannot explain are things like the whole process of metamorphosis. We dealt with that a program or two ago. And when we think about especially the metamorphosis of insects or butterflies, it goes from an egg. And we're not even talking about the fantastic genetic instructions that reside in the nucleus of that egg as the egg then divides and divides into ultimately a larva. The larva is that caterpillar. And then that caterpillar turns into the pupa. And during that process, it liquefies inside (laughs) that thing. That part amazes me that it can then reassemble after that. Right. Somehow or other, those biochemicals are structured in the various places within the liquid of that pupa. And then the legs, the wings, the head, the 
all the different parts of a butterfly form. Evolution simply can't explain how those things could just accidentally come together to put together the stages of metamorphosis to ultimately make that beautiful monarch butterfly or the gypsy butterfly or whatever uh, beautiful butterfly you might be picturing. You know, just the other day, I had the opportunity to go through the Shedd Aquarium in Chicago. Have you ever gone through that aquarium, Scott? Not that I can recall. I've heard of it. Yeah, well, there I've are been some other aquariums. There yeah. are some great aquariums in the country, but I don't know. I think the Shedd Aquarium is probably at least the most extensive. And they put together different exhibits that focus on different areas of the world. And so there's an Amazon exhibit. There's a Philippines exhibit. And uh, I was fascinated, especially with the Amazon exhibit, because they had lots and lots and lots of amphibians, (laughs) especially frogs in there. Sounds like you'd spend all day in just one section. Well, uh, you you could, (laughs) although uh, I did move around. I wanted to see (laughs) the other parts. But there in that Amazon exhibit, like I mentioned, they had especially an amazing variety of amphibians. And probably most people have heard about the poison frogs and how some of the natives in the Amazon basin will I don't know how they do it, but they capture those frogs. Do they touch it? They better not touch them because they're super know. poisonous. But they somehow or other get the poison from those frogs, put it on the arrow tips. And so their arrows That's are much more than that. just a – yeah, their arrows cause much more than just physical damage. They actually cause you know chemical damage. They're poison. <laughs> well, when you think about those poison frogs – Evolution has got to be able to explain how not only did this frog somehow biochemically accidentally start making poison, but as that frog was evolving this poison, it also evolved an antidote or, or something so that it wasn't poisoned itself. <laughs> <laughs> and yet we can imagine how the creator would give this frog the ability to not only make poison, but gave it the ability to survive the poison. So there's an interesting example, again, of how we learn from the examples in nature that there must be a creator. And so I I think that's one of the most basic things that Job is sort of getting at. When he talks about let the animals teach you, learn from them, what we learn is that God is great. Another fascinating fish that I learned about that, I mean, I'd seen flounder, but I, and I probably learned this at some point, but totally had forgotten about it. A flounder is a fish that's got pretty much a normal body shape, right? You know, yeah. it's, it's got two sides, it's got a tail, it's got a head, but it lays on one side and both of its eyes are on the other side of its head. Wow. So you figure, how in the world does that happen? Well, actually what happens is, In the early stages of the fish's development, one of the eyes migrates to the other side (laughs) of its body. Okay, now try and imagine how that could happen as an accident, as some kind of a mutational process in the development of this particular fish early on, and it not just be something that would be devastatingly bad for the animal and killing. Somehow or other, this migration of the eye to one side of the fish's body was a good thing, according to evolution, because it would have to be explaining this as an adaptation that would be advantageous and allow this particular fish who had this weird physiological event take place be a benefit, Hmm. and then flounder would develop. Well, on the other hand, if God created this creature so that (laughs) in the process, its eye migrates to one side of its body, 
It also went hand in hand with this fish's behavior to lay on the the ocean floor and hide. And with both eyes pointing up out of the sand, it would be able to look for its food. It would be able to see its food. And I suppose it would have a better perspective on looking for something that might want to come after it and avoid getting eaten by staying in the sand until (laughs) its predator moved off. And so we read Job 12, verses 7 and 8. I want to get back to that text. And again, we'll see that what he says ultimately has more to say about the creator than it does about those particular creatures that he is saying we should learn from. So we simply read those two verses in Job chapter 12, but to understand the point he's trying to make, we must look at the broader context in which we find these statements. And the context actually goes all the way back to the words of Zophar in Job chapter 11. To summarize essentially what Zophar is doing is he is accusing Job of not fully understanding what God is like. In other words, it's because of Job's misunderstanding of God that he has all these questions, and if he understood God better, Job should then recognize that it was something that he did, that he should confess, Mm -hmm. God will forgive him, and everything will be okay again. So listen to what Zophar says, because this is then what Job responds to. In chapter 11, starting, uh, let's say, at verse 7, Zophar says, Can you discover the depths of God? Can you discover the limits of the Almighty? They are high as the heavens. What can you do? Deeper than Sheol, what can you know? Its measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. If he passes by or shuts up or calls an assembly, who can restrain him? For he knows false men, and he sees iniquity without investigating. And an idiot will become (laughs) intelligent when the foal of a wild donkey is born a man. You know, he's almost saying that Job is a jackass. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. Yeah. You know, I wonder if that's where the phrase actually came from. But notice what so far as saying is Job is an idiot. Job doesn't understand. And his problem is he doesn't understand God. So how Job eventually then responds, I won't read the rest of what Zophar says. How Job eventually responds to Zophar is to say, you know, what you're saying is so obvious, even the animals know this. Okay? (laughs) So in verse 1 of chapter 12, it says, Job responded, truly then you are the people, and with you wisdom will die. (laughs) But I have intelligence as you, and I am not inferior to you. So then when we get to verse 7, he says, Ask the beasts and let them teach you, and the birds of the heavens and let them tell you, and let the fish of the sea declare to you. In other words, he's saying even the animals can tell you these things. Everybody knows, even the animals, that you can't completely understand God. You can't discover the depths of the Almighty. Interesting there, Zophar is the one who uses that special name of God, God Almighty. Oh, yes. And so then Job is simply saying, you're not telling me anything I don't already know. You know, and we didn't read verse 9. After these two verses, 7 and 8, where Job is saying, let the animals teach you, listen to what he says in verse 9. In referring to the beasts and the birds, even the earth and the fish, he says, who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this. 
So I think here, hopefully, we've driven the point home of why Job is referring us to learn from the animals. He's saying if you just observe the animals, you can see that there's a great creator. There's one that is so powerful that his ways are unsearchable that we can't completely comprehend him. And I think, in a sense, Job is also then acknowledging that we can't completely comprehend why God does what he does. Job is saying, I don't understand why God is doing these things to me, but I do know one thing. He's not doing doing these things to me because I've done some terrible wrong and he's punishing me for those things. You know, Dr. Scripture, it almost seems like Job is just appealing to common sense in recognizing the work of an almighty creator in the universe, in nature, if you will. Yeah, I, I agree. It doesn't take some great intelligence <laughs> to recognize intelligence. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be too critical, but the evolutionist simply doesn't apply good common sense. It takes all kinds of mental gymnastics to come up with explanations to explain how how some of these creatures that we've talked about, the amazing complexities that they exhibit, it takes mental gymnastics to explain how evolution, time and chance, just total randomness could come up with these designs as opposed to an intelligent creator. So to conclude today, in Job chapter 12, verse 9, he asks a question, and this was the question, who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? <laughs> and that's not what I say. That's what Scripture says. <laughs>